0: Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on the leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope. Would you sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life? Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Stevie Frank, and what's so interesting about Stevie and why I wanted to have her on the show is she has been podcasting with students and I really wanted to talk about podcasting and what she's been doing with her her students and to shed insight on that because I find that to be an amazing medium, one that can be done with very minimal tech and because it's a podcast You can just carry it around on your phone and listen to it whenever you want to. So it's a great way for consuming information, creating content, and a great way, in my opinion, for students to become creative, uh, to become critical thinkers, uh, to start to provide evidence of their understanding in different ways outside of, you know, is it A, B, C, or D? Right. Or, you know, Cami is dope. I love Cami, But how often are you? I mean, you know, I tell my teachers, don't PDF your kids to death uh, by typing in a PDF all the time. You know, let's do something else to provide evidence, Uh, because truth be told for teachers and administrators. When your kids really know the material, they're going to do well on the test and the ABC and D does not mean they know the material. Just want to throw that out there to you. But for those who be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Stevie?
1: Hi. Well, first of all, I am humbled to even be a part of your journey and on your show. So thank you. Um, My name is Stevie Frank. I am a fifth grade humanities teacher at Zionsville West Middle School in Indiana. I am a department chair as well for the fifth grade humanities, and I am an equity coach for my school. So I am humbled and excited to be a part of this journey.
0: All right. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you'll be doing when you were growing up? And how did you find yourself in education?
1: So I, when I was in elementary school, I had always pictured myself being a teacher and I was the one that got my dolls and I had lined them up and, you know, I would take like extra worksheets from school and bring them home and, you know, pass out papers. And so that was a dream of mine. Um, And then I got into high school and high school was just it was it was difficult for me just because I was dealing with a lot of other things. For those of you that are familiar with like ACE scores, my ACE score is eight, um, so I've had some traumatization, if you will, um, from childhood. And so I was dealing with a lot, and I just stopped caring a lot about school. But it was always my my normalcy and my safe place to go, and I always appreciated that. So then, once I graduated high school, I was like, well, I, I guess I'll go for this college degree. We'll see how it works out. And then I just. Fell in love with education once again. So I am, had a vacation Bible school teaching experience, and I taught a group of kiddos. And then I was like, this is what I was meant to do. So here I am.
0: <laughs> That's all right. So if people don't know, I love podcasting, right? I've been, this is the eighth season of my show. And I, wow. You know, yeah, yeah, alhamdulillah, very blessed to be doing this. I really enjoy it. And to have these conversations with people like yourself has truly been able to uh, enrich my life and hopefully the lives of other educators who listen to this show. And I think it's a great way for people to create content, to express themselves, uh, and to do so in a very genuine and authentic uh, way. Uh, Before we get into what you're what you've been doing with your students what drew you to podcasting
1: so I've always just had a love for knowledge and a wealth of knowledge. And if there's something I don't understand, well, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to do it. And so I loved that. So I have two small children. They are um, going to be now three and five. So those of us with littles around, you know, it's difficult to sit down with a book and consume information. So what I found so I just loved uh, is that I could just pop in my AirPod and I could hit the road with my stroller and I could actually consume information and become a better person because of the education and the knowledge that I was getting from these amazing people and amazing podcasters. So I was so grateful for that forum. And then after I consumed them just myself, then I was like, you know what, maybe it would be cool to do that with my students. Um, And that came that came with time. And that was something where I had a parent email me and they said, hey, I don't know if you've heard about this NPR student podcast challenge. They were like, but, you know, maybe maybe you would find interest to this because you've talked about NPR. And I was like, yeah. So that was uh, back in 2019 was when I started the journey with doing student driven podcasts. And we haven't looked back since.
0: (laughs) Excellent. And my wife. Has actually done that before. And her nice. students. Yes. She teaches gifted. And her students actually did podcasts and submitted uh some episodes themselves uh, to the to that contest. So it was uh so when you when I went through your Twitter timeline and saw that, I said, wow, that's really cool.
1: Well thank you. It was it was such a cool experience. And so in 2019-2020 everybody knows what happened. And it was one of those years that we were we just had gotten wrapped in our podcast from the students and then so we were in quarantine and the stay at home orders and then I was like, well, I guess I'll go ahead and submit these in and NPR had just like extended their deadline which was great because we were dealing with a global pandemic. And so I had then found out um, about a month later that one of my students had received an honorable mention. So it was a group of like four or five little girls. And so it was something really cool to be able to deliver that exciting information to them during kind of such a darker time. And so I was really grateful for that opportunity.
0: All right. So, how do you start podcasting with young people? I, I know I've talked to educators who wanted to create podcasts themselves. And a lot of people, when they're even starting out, they get sort of just overwhelmed with the whole idea of, I need this type of microphone. Uh, I need this type of equipment. I need to do all this. And, and, and what is my show going to be about? And they get, you know, this whole analysis process, uh, paralysis by analysis to where they don't start, or they may do five, six episodes and they don't do anymore and they have spent hundreds of dollars on stuff. You as a teacher, and given the fact that there's other stuff you got to do, right? Because you know, if you're a, a if you are a teacher who's teaching broadcasting, a hey, podcast could be all you do per se, right? So you know, but when you're teaching something else, and you're like, okay, how do I bring in podcasting to my subject area to meet these standards and stay on top of this pacing guide. How do you do that? How do you first start out introducing podcasting to your students?
1: So great question. I the way I tackled it was I tackled it like any writing unit that I would do. And I did a I started with immersion, where if I was going to have my kids create poetry, they need to read a bunch of poetry. If I was going to have them create a narrative slice of life I was going to have them read a lot of them. So I was like, well, they need to listen to the podcast to know. So my first step was to find a bunch of student-driven podcasts or just student-friendly podcasts. And then um, we use Canvas as our illness. So then I created a module and I just put a bunch of different podcasts that kids could listen to into that module. So then as I were listening to them, I was like, now, what am I going to figure out for them to create? And how am I going to go about that? Because as you said, I have to tie in so many different standards into the curriculum. So we were reading these different novels about um, just really centralized on identity And so we talk a lot about like, how can kids see mirrors, windows or doors into their life and, you know, for a mirror opportunity for them, how could they see a window? So a life of somebody else that's maybe different for them or have a sliding glass door into a different, you know, a different journey with somebody else that just takes them through a completely different experience. And so I have them choose their different novels and then based upon which novel they choose, then that determines what group they're going to be in. So I grouped the kiddos just according to, um, the interest of the book that they wanted to read. Once they got finished with it, we were, I was teaching around theme and I was like, well, how cool would it be for them to say, well, here's the theme of the novel and then create a podcast about it. But I also wanted it to be tied to identity. So I asked them, I said, the books that you were reading were really, really cool. And I know your peers would want to learn from it and you want to teach them about the thing that you learned about your main character. So I made their authentic audience be Zionsville West middle school. And I said, what do you want to teach your peers? And so that as soon as I created that part of it, where, you know, they're not creating the podcast for me, they're not even creating the podcast for each other, but I'm going to push it out to the school. Like all bets were off. They were like engagement started from that moment. And to the very last day of recording, like engagement is is high. So I knew that I was tapping into something that was the biggest and best project that I could have tackled. Um, It's a beast at times, but it was definitely one of those things that it was really cool to see their student interest go with it. So according to, you know, it just depended on what the kiddos read. So, um, for example, there was a group of kiddos just now that finished their podcast and they read the book ugly by Robert Hodge. And it tackled where the main character had facial deformities and, and body deformities. And it talked about him eventually, instead of risking his own life to go into surgery, that he decided to own his own face. And so that group was like, well, what if we created a podcast around, what is beauty and beauty comes from within who determines what is beauty. And then they started talking about fast fashion and, you know, the environmental effects on it. So that was really cool. So then I also was able to tie in research into it because I took a research grade on it as well. I took a writing grade because they were writing a script. I took a speaking and listening grade because they were creating a podcast and I was able to tie in so many different standards into the project that we were doing and i think that's what made it made it doable now when it comes to like what did they use um i have we are one-to-one device at uh, in fifth grade so a lot of them just use their laptops now I had some kids that really wanted to get like techie with it. So a lot of them, um, some of them were even like purchasing like external microphones. Some of them just had those at home. I had others that just, you know, had like the wired with the microphone in it. So then they were able to record in that regard. So it was, I was really surprised at how simple that part needed to be um, in order to create these really cool podcasts.
0: Yeah, let's get, go a little deeper into the actual production of the podcast right because if you don't have experience with doing it and when you're in a situation of okay what tools can I use because I don't you know each school will be different in terms of their environment of what devices are there now hopefully all this estimate money that's gone out people got <laughs> devices by now uh but your device, what you have and what you're willing to pay for, et cetera, also has a, a, a impact on what you're able to do. So let's just say, for example, if you are in a if you are in a one to one iPad environment or uh, MacBooks, you have GarageBand built in automatically. Wonderful way to record, produce your your podcast. But if you have a PC, you know, well, all of them are PC. But if you have a Windows device, now you have to look at, okay, what am I going to use to actually record my podcast? Uh, Will it be Soundtrap, which is really awesome? Uh, Will it be Audacity? Audacity? which I've tried to do it. It is a, I looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? And I just quickly left Audacity alone Uh, (laughs) or other different uh, web-based applications to actually record it. And not to mention there's Anchor, which is free and you can use your phone. So when you went into this process and and with your students, you, you talked about how some did this, some did that, and they did this. What was your process in sort of walking kids through the whole recording and production of the podcast was it just do what you do or was it some guidance in saying okay we have windows devices and these you know soundtrack is available or audacity is available or here are some other options for you to record
1: So that's such a great question. So a lot of that was one of my biggest tackle, the biggest problems I wanted to tackle. So luckily for me, I have a great PLN um, from Twitter. And so I reached out to Eddie Smalls um, from the Canvas Casters podcast. And he met with me one-on-one with Andy Knieven um, at Mr. Coach K, as most of you know from Twitter as well. And so he was so gracious enough to give me his time and to say, like, here's how you can do it into your classroom. So he mentioned Anchor as a way to be able to do it with kiddos. He also said, like, they can just use their devices. So when I first started off my journey, I was like, okay, great. I'm going to learn. I downloaded Anchor on my phone and I was going to play around with it. And then um, Kyle for, which was our tech integration specialist at Zionsville, he went ahead and reached out to me and said, hey, I have a connection to Soundtrap with Audrey Eau Claire. Would you be open to that? So I was like, sure, let me, you know, let me connect with her. And then that started our relationship and it was the strongest bond. And I love Audrey and I love Soundtrap. So that's been the medium that I've been using in all of my different podcasts. And when you said, when I first looked into that, you were like, there are so many bells and whistles and I completely agreed. And I was, <laughs> I was so overwhelmed. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out. So I assumed my kids would probably know more than I did. And so whenever I was assigning the groups, um, I decided to give them roles. I was like, you know what, there is always that kiddo in class who either struggles with connecting with humanity. So reading, writing, or social studies, and it's just not their jam. And so this is my way to connect with them. So I was like, everybody should have what I called a soundtrack producer expert. So his job here, she's job was to watch a bunch of videos that they set up tutorials through Soundtrap, which is great. So they're like, if you're trying to record a loop, here's how to do this. If you're trying to, you know, edit a transcript, here's how to do this. And so they have different tutorial videos. And so this kiddos role was just to become an expert on it. And so I, they found that that role very rewarding because they were like, wait a minute, Mrs. Frank is telling me to go watch videos. And some of them even took it to YouTube and TikTok. And then they were tr- you know, teaching me tricks about how to use microphones. Um, so that became a really cool journey for some of those kiddos and allowed me to connect with them on a deeper level than maybe they hadn't before. So that was, um, that's how we got started. I've also utilized if you're not wanting to go down the route of like, Oh, there's a lot of bells and whistles. I also did it with Flipgrid because they have the mic only as well. So all the kiddos did was just press record. And then from start to finish, that was their podcast. So there wasn't the little loops and the sounds and all of that in there. But then for more maybe advanced learners or ones that really wanted to run with the project, I gave them the option of Soundtrap. So most of them kind of gravitated toward that. But then I loved how Flipgrid made it available for everybody to be able to have their voice be heard.
0: Mm. And the key is to get it done. So um, yes. that's, <laughs> So that's what, you know, I hope when you listen to this episode and you're a teacher and you're thinking about maybe podcasting yourself or even bringing it into your classroom, the first thing I tell everyone is use what you already have. Yes, like, don't go buy anything if you don't need anything, and if you need to buy something, always make sure it is the cheapest that you can use. And I and I, you know, Audrey has been on my podcast several years ago, and as you said, really,
1: I love her. I need to yes. listen to that. I yes. got to find that episode. I look
0: forward and, and saying it to you. Uh, but as, as you know, Soundtrip is is a very expensive right you get into that bad boy and it is like (laughs) oh so you know you don't just jump in and start working you do have to learn the system and I love your idea of saying hey you're going to be this uh sound cloud expert you're going to be the producer which actually podcast producer is actually a job that exists right now for people so that's hey way to go college career readiness but What I also love about Soundtrap is because of the sharing feature. Yes. Your your students could have been at home during the pandemic and worked together on their project at the same time.
1: And we did that last year.
0: Amazing.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. It was, and what I love about Soundtrap too, because another concern of mine was privacy, right? Like I've got these 10, 11 year olds. How do I ensure the privacy of them? And Soundtrap has that. wall garden I believe is what they refer to it as so the only people that can hear their music and hear anything that they're producing or recording are them and myself and I also love that I can be a part of that too so if whenever I wanted to check in on a group's progress I could enter into the studio and then see all of their progress that they have made and I could disable chats I could enable chats we could um I could go in there and just like physically, like move things around if I wanted to, and different members of their group did too. Mm-hmm. So it also tied it to home because some of the kiddos did interviews. And so, for example, one of the little girls, she wanted to interview her mom, who is a pediatrician, because she was doing her podcast about ADHD. And she wanted, in a professional's opinion, she's like, well, can I remember my mom? I was like, perfect. So all she needed to do was take her laptop, bring it home. And then she was just able to hit record. And it was right there. You know, there was no, like, let me record it on my phone and then bring it to school. You know, it was just so seamless. And I loved the opportunity that those kids were able to have to be able to take it, you know, to different places with them, too.
0: Awesome. So they use a soundtrack for recording. And where well, you can edit as well in 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 sound in Soundtrap, um, with the Flipgrid where it just was downloaded, did those students edit the audio? And if they did, what did they use to edit that audio? Did they did did they pull it into Soundtrap to edit it, or did they use something else?
1: So right at the very beginning, they had to figure out, did they want to get into Soundtrap or did they want to do Flipgrid? And so I kind of told them, I was like, Flipgrid was going to be a little bit more seamless, going to be a little bit easier, right? Because you're not going to go in and you're not going to be able to edit your sound or add sounds or add music. And so for some of those students, they were just naturally deterred away from one or the other. So there were some of the kiddos that you know, they just are sort of like, hey, I'm just here to do the assignment. <laughs> and they were like, give me, give me the easy route. So I gave them the easy button. And I love that again, having multiple ways for them to get the content done was greatly appreciated, I think, from both ends, right? Because there's sometimes as a classroom teacher where I'm like, I've got to think about my kiddos with IEPs, um, you know, ILPs and then 504s. And this allowed me to be able to make it for everyone. And so, you know, Flipgrid was just, they simply hit record, they recorded the whole thing. They had to have a written script beforehand. So that was something that I I approved before they moved on to recording. And then they just recorded it once all the way through. And then they added it to their Flipgrid um, group. And then that was their podcast that they had. And it was nice because it was the mic only feature. And then, you know, for soundtrack, then they could go in and record different bits at a time, add their sounds and add whatever they wanted to to it as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Just see it for the grade. Marshall Lynch, Sean Lynch said, I'm just here so I don't get fined. But it, was, <laughs> it was awesome. So they're doing it. Now, I just want to ask you, as a teacher, and particularly those of us who are on Twitter, I would say most of us who get into Twitter we're having these conversations, we are enlightened, right? We're sort of innovators, next level, digital thinkers, et cetera. And we're sort of building upon or breaking through what we were all taught in our education programs and what most of our school districts, quite honestly, uh, <laughs> sort of require us uh, to do. Because for the most part, school districts, even those who have a lot of a, of this tech, they still approach it from a traditional teaching and learning perspective. When you're going through this process with your students and you're actually seeing them work through these podcasts, putting these together, writing the scripts, you're going into to Flipgrid and actually listening you're going to sound trap and you're going oh okay okay what surprised you from this experience and seeing your students grow through this process and what got you excited enough to say this must be done again
1: great question so whenever they're going through the recording. So whenever we recorded my one of my biggest hurdles was finding a quiet space for them all right. I'm like, I've got to have small groups, they're all going to be recording, where can I go. So our uh, media specialist so graciously allowed um, parts of her library to be used. And so we have since we're housed in a middle school, we had quite a few different rooms off of the library. So we were able to record in those. And whenever I would bounce from room to room to room, because that's all my podcasting time looked like, I felt like I was like the director walking around, you know, at all times and hearing their conversations and their desire to complete the task that I had put in front of them was, I've never experienced that. And this is my 13th year of teaching. I never experienced that with anything else. Like there's been times that I've give them in an assignment, you know, and it's like, Even if it's as as colorful and they get to bring in crayons or whatnot, you know, it's still not to this level of engagement. And so that was really, really cool to be able to allow them to run with any idea that they wanted to. And it all came from student voice and student choice that it's what they wanted to do. Um, Last year was a very difficult year because we were hybrid. Half of our kids were online and in person. And then they, you know, they then like switched midweek and it was all the things that, you know, we don't even want to think about anymore, but it was just really difficult and I almost didn't do it. And then that's when I decided to, I was like, I have to. And so then that's when I decided to add in Flipgrid as a component, because I was like, maybe some of us just need an easy answer on this one. So I, that's when I added in the Flipgrid component. Now this past year I was like, I'm just exhausted from last year. I was like, maybe I don't do the thing. And I really stopped and I thought about it a lot. And I had actually been to one of my um, diversity equity trainings. Um, We get those once a month. We get all the equity coaches together. And we we were reading some of these different quotes. And one of the quotes was like, how do I ensure that I see every student and that they are heard and important to me? And I immediately thought of this project and I was like, I, in order for me to reach all of my learners, I have to, I have to change my assessment. I have to think about my different, you know, modalities and those different kiddos and how I can reach to them. Because then I thought about all those kiddos that I was able to reach, you know, when they became my Soundtrap expert and they wanted to come to class. So that was like the first time they had wanted to. And so that's what made me do it is I was like, I'm going to tackle the project again. And every single time that I walk around and I bounce around to each of those different book club books, um, groups. And I listen to how they're like, you know, diving into it. They're like, oh, I don't like the way that that sounded. And, you know, some of them were even like, having really, really big conversations. And so I had a group of kiddos reading Ghost Boys by Jewel Parker Road, um, which is a book about, you know, um, the real life story of Tamir Rice. It was written for fictional and hearing them grapple with some of these topics and hearing their minds kind of like going through, okay, well, how should we make this sound? And we want to make sure that we're being sensitive. And it was just, it was such the coolest experience. And that's what that's what keeps bringing me back is it is a project and it sometimes is a beast, but it's completely doable. And so yes.
0: Wow, it's amazing. Well speaking of feedback, what has been your students' feedback and parents' feedback from the podcast?
1: Oh, well the students have loved it. Um, there was a time where you know because, Schools have things that happen, and you know we have to remain flexible. So we actually had one of our fire um, sprinkler systems; like it flooded the library, so we couldn't record for a week. And it would just devastate the students. They were like, oh, and I was like, you know, cause I had to hurry up and pivot. So I was like, oh, we'll do informational writing. And then the kids were like, you got rid of podcasting to do informational writing. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, that, that, that happened. Um, so it was, they loved it. They really enjoyed, um, enjoyed that for sure. And it was also really cool because when you have, Ten and eleven-year-olds working in a group. Sometimes they have to learn those those skills of what it looks like. Um, so within that, I think by the end of the project, I think they were ready to move on, which was great. But they were still dedicated to the work that they were doing, which was really cool too. Um, as for parents, because I entered them into the NPR Student Podcast Challenge, I had to get parent permission. So from day one, I just, you know, I, I have an open door policy anyways. And so I'm like, anytime what's going on in my classroom, like I'm wanting you to see and hear about all the great things that we're doing and what we're um, what's happening. So I did ask for their um, parent approval through, I just sent home like a Microsoft form for them to get parent signatures on so that I could produce them and publish them publicly. And I just got, Great feedback from parents. I got zero pushback from any parents that were like, "I don't want my kid to participate in the podcast." Because I also told told the students and the parents where I was like, "If you don't want yours to be published, it doesn't have to be. We are just going to create it for a grade. But if you want it to be, then I will help you to get into that next level." And so I received great feedback from there. And um, some of the parents have just really enjoyed sharing the link to their family and saying like, "Look what." you know, little Susie was able to produce today um, and, you know, this week for class. And so that was also really neat because, uh, you know, especially with the pandemic, I felt like it, some of us just felt isolated. So this was a way for families to be able to still stay connected and to like send it off to other family
0: members, which was pretty cool. So for those who uh, will be listening, uh, hopefully thousands of you, and may not know what happens to a podcast after it is recorded and edited, it has to find a hosting spot, a location for it. You don't go directly into Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera. Those are report directories, and you have to find a hosting site, and there are several out there, you know, Spreaker, Simplecast pie bean, uh etc what did you use to host your podcast uh because for the NPR you have to send them a link to the to those episodes to their podcast what did you use and what was your what was the determining factor in you sort of saying this is going to be my podcasting hosting site
1: so great question so i um, a, to publish to NPR student podcast challenge, I have to, they were saying just like upload to any site. So I use SoundCloud. That was just one that I just Googled. And I was like, I like what their mission and drive drive is. And so I, I also just appreciated their, um, their mission, if you will, of like just getting authentic music and voices out. And I really liked that. Uh, so I uploaded from Let me back up. So from Soundtrap, just because I was a part of each and every one of their groups, all I had to do was go to Soundtrap.com, click download. Mm -hmm. I grabbed it as an MP3 and then I took that, uploaded it to SoundCloud, then it created a shareable link. Then from there, um, I pasted it into the NPR student podcast challenge form. And then in order to push it out to the school, that was where I actually was kind of in between where I'm like, well, where do I do where where do I post this at? Um, In years past, I had used Canvas because it was an LMS. And so I just created a module and I uploaded the MP3 files on there. And then I wanted This year I wanted it to be able to be shareable with parents as well. So I was like, let me, let me think. And so I met with one of our tech integration specialists, Andy Knieven, and he was like, well, what about a Wakelet? So a Wakelet, if you're unfamiliar, is a lot like Padlet, where you can just have a bunch of different links on there, copy and paste them, and then they can even write a little blurb about it. And so I really liked that idea so that the students could, create their like little podcasts, little like detail show notes, and then links if they wanted to. And then it also, I was inspired by Becky Barrett from Twitter and she had had her kiddos like create little images from their shows. Mm -hmm. And so she had them get on Canva and then create little images for their shows. So then, you know, you're talking about branding now. And so I uploaded those onto the Wakelet as well. And so now I'm, so close I have a few kiddos that are just making a few tweaks um with their show notes and then I'm gonna push it out to Twitter so um that's the avenue that we went through I just I wanted it to be something that was a little bit more a little bit more readily accessible for everybody to be able to click on it whenever I share it to the school and I wanted parents to be able to listen to it too wow
0: wow this is amazing and and What I really love about this, aside from you being able to, again, bring in the creativity, bringing in the student ownership, uh, bringing in the fact that you could tackle multiple standards uh, with this project, I love how students are using these tools in ways in which Careers are people are doing this right now. There are people who—that's what they do. They—they they are podcasters. And they get paid. They—they're getting million-dollar deals from these programs to do this. And I'm like, wow, this is something they're doing. And also meeting kids where they are—that's the big thing for me. I, I too many times school districts when they say meet kids where they are. They're talking about a test score. They're talking about a diagnostic. And they're like, okay, this kid's Lexile level is 360 or they have a three on the state test. This is where we go from here. And I'm trying to tell teachers, I'm not saying that's wrong. But when we say meet kids where they are, you need to understand these kids live in a digital world. They don't live in our world. They interact with technology differently than we do. They have, when they say they have a friend online, that's a friend.
1: It is, you're so right.
0: Right, for me, I'm like, there's. I'm an adult. So I have levels to my friendship. So if I say (laughs) someone from Twitter (laughs) is a friend, there's a level to that. Now, if we have met, Offline at conferences and we talk on the phone and we kick it like that. Okay, you can have you can be like a real friend to me. But if all our communication is on Twitter, you like at number one. You're not gonna be someone I'm gonna share my life with. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna be like, yo, this is going on in my life, you know. (laughs) Not gonna be that. So it's just levels to it. But for the kids we have, okay, when they say, so it's so and so in this state is my friend because they're communicating uh, Snapchat or Twitter or whatever they're using. By the way, parents, make sure you monitor what's going on. Yes. They really mean that's a friend, right? That's they a
1: really good point. You're 100% correct.
0: Yes. Right. And so, and then they're also playing these video games where they're on teams and these people are all over the world. So they're interacting with technology differently. And so when we get them in our classrooms, I try to, when I talk to teachers, I'm like, come on now, don't know why these kids don't want to hear you talk for 45 minutes and give them a worksheet. Their brains are not even wired for them to pay attention to that because these kids are differently. These kids will go to YouTube and watch a video of other kids playing a video game. (laughs) It's so true. I'm 48. I'm not doing that. No, right. This, if I'm I'm 36 wa- and I'm not doing that. <laughs> right. So I don't. <laughs> and they do it. You know. I'm. Hey. I, if the only time I'm watching someone, if I'm doing that, I'm maybe it's like how do you unclog a sink? So I can look at it and go, okay. Yes. 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 But I'm not watching anybody play a video game. It's not my thing. You know. And so w- the fact that you're doing this and connecting your kids in ways in which they actually live and operate and think and interact, I think is amazing and something that more teachers should be, should be doing in school districts should be considering and understanding that that is how, when people say, how do I engage my kids? How do I get my kids to learn? How do I get, get my kids to be excited about school? That's how you do it. It ain't about giving them a worksheet and you talking for four to five, minutes because I'm going to tell you right now I have observed classrooms where that has happened and I've had to remind myself do not fall asleep (laughs) right I'm an adult with a higher order thinking and I had to remind myself not to fall asleep because I felt it coming and I said wake up Will wake up stay focused stay focused (laughs) So if I have to do that, imagine what the kids are doing. Yeah, that's a good point. And so what you're doing, I think, is fantastic. So I have two more questions. You're welcome. I have two more questions for you. One is, from doing this for the years that you've done it, what have you learned about teaching and learning? And how has this impacted your own practice as an educator.
1: So that's definitely something I I know my heart of hearts where I'm, you know, kids will learn better when they have choice, when they have their voice and whenever they're able to create something that is authentic to them and organic for them. And so that was something that I I always try to create within lessons. So at different times when I look at my standards and I see, oh, I need to teach them about, um, author's purpose, or I need to teach them about persuasive. You know, there are times where it can seem dry and I do my darndest just to try to jazz it up as much as I can. Um, so that's the, something to where I try to be reflective and think after the lessons, like, what did I do? What could I do that would make it better? And then how can I get my students prepared for the grade ahead? How can I get them prepared for the world ahead, for the schooling ahead? And that is something that I'm trying to do. And I, I've struggled with at first with getting into podcasting because the thought creeped into my mind where I'm like, well, that's going to be a lot of time, a lot. It's a huge time commitment. How do I ensure that they're going to be able to hit all of the standards? And then once I started looking at the standards, I just made it work. And then it was like, you know, it just kind of came like my first year. It was just kind of me figuring it out with the kids. But I was like, you know what? I should probably have them research. Well, I can get a research grade from that. I can teach them how to research. Well, then they probably need a written script. Well, there's a writing standard. Well, then, you know, writing for an authentic audience. Well, there's the reading, the writing standard within there. So it really kind of helped me to reframe some of those thoughts that I had gone in. And I always, I love using technology. I love using technology in different ways um, in finding different websites and being like, how can I use this? And let's let's have fun here. And with that time, I also have realized that kids need device free time. So we're a one-to-one school. And so for seven periods of the day, they have their laptops in front of them. So then I also realized, okay, I need to make sure that I create device-free time, and I'm cognizant of that as well. And so I think there needs to be a balance too as well, where we need to, you know, meet the kids where they're at, listen to them, let them have choice, and then kind of go from there. So I would say that's how it's affected my teaching, um, definitely since doing this project.
0: So before we go, what is your advice, some pro tips for those educators who are thinking, Okay, we got the tech. So that's not a hindrance to us doing this. Uh, How should they go about starting to podcast in their classroom?
1: I would say first step is to create one of your own and nobody has to hear it. You do not have to publish it, but just kind of play around with what it's like to to record your own podcast. And that was something like I had actually interviewed my think he was like two or three at the time, your old son about why he likes to go to Starbucks and get banana bread. And it was, you know, I play it for my students every year and now it's just funny because he's getting older. So it's just funny to hear his voice change over the time, but it, that moment, it clicked for me. Also tap into, if you haven't already, like your Twitter PLN. So my Twitter hash, like, um, handle is at Stevie Frank 23. And, I am more than happy to help connect you with other people that are in the podcasting world. Because like I said, if I hadn't met with, um, I think I zoomed in with him and this was even prior to 2020 with, um, um, Eddie Smalls from the canvas casters podcast. He sat down with me and was like, here's how it looks. Here's how you could do it. Here's, you know, the how, and I honestly, if he hadn't come around, I don't know if I would have been able to have tackled it because it really helps to talk to people that have done it. So I would say connect yourself in and don't be afraid to put yourself out there and find a good solid PLN and the Twitter world. And you said this earlier, they're amazing. You know, it's the people that are wanting to push the boundaries and that are wanting to do better and together, you know, it's hashtag better together. And I strongly believe in that. And so I've also met with a couple of teachers who were wanting to tackle this project and I zoomed in with them and. We just, you know, we had conversations and, you know, I hooked him up with some cool Soundtrap swag because I'm a Soundtrap producer. So, you know, it it hits all those things that you need.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I need to get involved in Soundtrap, do a little something, something. After uh, well, ahead. it
1: sounds like you should. And when we get off of here, I'll have to get your address so I can send you some swag.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, I appreciate it. What I <laughs> I am a very minimalist person, right? I, so I po- I literally am using this Zoom to record our podcast. Mm-hmm. The reason I use Zoom is because it's really easy to use. And if I wanted to use the video later, I have that option available uh, to me, but normally I don't. So I'm able to get both the video and the audio that's downloaded so real easy, real simple. I love it right now. I know it's not the best audio quality compared to some of these riverside.fm or whatever. But there also I looked at those prices. I said, hey, <laughs> I'm an educator, uh, so I'm not paying you like thirty dollars a month. Can't do that. Uh, so. It's reasonably affordable. And then I can take this audio when I want to, if I need to. Uh, send it off to an editor, which I, I will do. Uh, Dr. Dan Crinus is, is my go-to editor and reasonable rates to people. And I can also pop this into Luma Fusion, which LumaFusion allows me to actually edit the video and then download just the audio of it. So I'm like, yo, that's awesome. Uh, so I like stuff that's very simple for me to do because I crank out so many episodes and I know I'm a little, like I said, I'm, I'm a little lazy at heart. So I'm just not, I'm just going to say it out there. People don't please.
1: <laughs> no please. judgment. <laughs> yeah. Just,
0: you know. So I know that if it's going to be, take too much work for me to do certain things to be consistent, because I release two to three episodes a week, then I have to, you know, I have to have a process. It's like real, real simple release, real simple releases. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I love what you're talking about. I love what you're doing. That's, that's just amazing, amazing. So excited, so excited. And, you know, i said say again, um, I'm going to connect you with my wife who teaches gifted t- second through fifth grade.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And so, like I said, a few years ago, before yeah, before the pandemic, her kids actually submitted episodes to she used soundcloud as well and she and they did the npr icontext and i went in and talked to her kids for a little bit about the podcast that's
1: so perfect how exciting yeah.
0: so that was interesting too because for me it's always interesting to see just to go to see the little kids and have them talk to me about because he had a little worksheet for them to kind of figure out like what's the name of your podcast will your yeah. podcast be about that sort of thing and and just to talk to them about their ideas it's just the really interesting go. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And just to listen to them because you hear the little, the little voices. Uh, but it's it's amazing. And um, it's fantastic. So thank you again, Stevie, for coming on the show.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to hearing from your wife and helping her out if she needs it. Sounds like she, she's she got a lot of it figured out. So I'm I'm happy to help out if she needs it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be an Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Audible. I need you to subscribe and leave some reviews. Come on, people. I'm on all major podcast platforms, but I'm trying to grow on Apple Podcasts. So give it a listen. Share it. Reviews, people. I got 36. Tomorrow, can I have 37? Give me some review. Give me some ratings and some reviews because I'm trying to be found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show because I want her to know that we're doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Stevie Frank for coming on and dropping so many gems and for you for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you. EDU, you. Peace.